You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number 35. Welcome to The Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. This show is brought to you by our free tip sheet, Attract Your Ideal Audience, a completely free tip sheet that you can use starting today to help you cut through the clutter, get crystal clear on who you're talking to, and help you start attracting and growing your audience right now. You can grab your free tip sheet at juliesolomon.net forward slash newsletter. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week, Fashion Fanatic, and she says, if you're an influencer listening to the Influencer Podcast, it is an absolute must to do so. A huge thank you to Julie and the industry insiders and influencers that she interviews for sharing their ideas, insights, and knowledge. This show is incredibly helpful. Well, thank you so much for the review, obviously, and I'm so glad that this podcast is a must for you. So I want to hear from more of you who listen in each week. So make sure to subscribe over to the Influencer Podcast on iTunes and give us a review so I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. And make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag me and our awesome guest today at Suzanne and at Joel Solomon on your Instagram story and hashtag the Influencer Podcast to let me know that you're joining in today as you know that I love to share those screenshots on my story too. Last week, best-selling author and social media darling Emily Lay shared how leading a simplified life turned her business into a social media phenomenon and gave us some really great tactical tools to completely renew our brand and life too. This week, the one and only amazing Cezanne Hendricks gives us a sneak peek into her life as one of the most recognized bloggers and YouTubers in the business, as well as how vulnerability made her a global sensation. I have been so excited for this interview. It has been a long time coming, and I can't wait for you guys to listen in now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I am so excited because I have a dear, sweet friend and a huge blogger boss on the podcast today, the lovely and amazing Suzanne Hendricks. Suzanne started her blogging journey in 2011 while studying radio, TV, and film at the University of North Texas, and she kind of started off not really knowing anything about this space, but of course, dug in, researched, trial and errored, and really learned as she went and then she became to be who she is today and really make those digital dreams come true. So as a blogger, YouTuber, content curator, and soon-to-be mom, Cezanne has amassed a loyal community of over 1 million friends on her various social media platforms. She has stunning content on video um, on YouTube, which we're going to talk about today, and really just knows what it's like to turn this thing into a business and to love it as you go along. So we're going to be chatting about all things blogging, YouTube, and how she was able to make it all happen and what's to come with Cezanne being a new mom. So without further ado, Cezanne, hello, and thank you so much for showing up today. Hi, Julie. Hi, everyone. That was quite an amazing intro, I just got to say. Man, you are so good at PR, girl. Well, thank you. You know, you can just put me in your purse and you can just take me wherever you need to go and then I'll just pop out and do that whenever you need to meet people. (laughs) Done. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to just dive in and kind of talk about, yeah, the, the whole journey and just what it's been like because, as you know, 
things just are constantly evolving and changing and not only our personal worlds, but even in the digital world. So it I'm is. excited. It is. Well, first I, I noticed something when we were chatting before this, that you were born in Nashville and I am from Nashville and I never knew that about you. Oh my gosh. Right. I didn't know that about you. I yeah. Know. I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. And then I moved when I was so young. I'm talking like three months right. old as baby, but I still have family there and I've gone and visited like a couple of times, but I really love, I love it there. Nashville's amazing. And you know, what? I, it, right when I like, right when I saw that, I was like, that it doesn't surprise <laughs> me because I know that Nashville actually has one of the largest Kurdish populations in the entire yes. country. And so I was uh-huh. like, oh. Of course you're right. born there. Yeah. All the amazing Kurds are there. And it's all those amazing parks that you guys have there. That's where the Kurds like to hang out is at the parks. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. So let's start from the beginning then. Okay. You're born in Nashville. You moved to Texas. Um, You go to the University of North Texas and you study radio, television, and film, which I actually studied kind of a similar track. I studied journalism and electronic media, which was radio and TV. So I would love to know, of course, how you kind of got your start. So I I would love for you to kind of tell us that journey, but then also tell us, um, I had a, a listener, her name's mindful mermaid on Instagram. And she wanted me to ask you how you were able to turn your experience in college and, and really kind of your major in college. How were you able to use that to grow your business? That's a great question. Um, to answer your first question about kind of the whole radio, TV, film route, you know, I, I did that because I think when I'm, you know, straight out of high school, I realized, you know, I want to go the creative route. I love telling stories. I love creating content. And I thought at the time, the only way to really do that was through, you know, electronic media, through TV, through film stuff. So I thought it was just a really fun, fascinating career to, to sort of chase and to explore. So that's why I went to the university of North Texas because they have an amazing program there. And I studied radio TV film. I did a lot of like hosting and I learned how to hold a camera, how to edit, how to shoot. I mean, how to tell stories, people's stories, how to do documentary style features. And I really learned a lot from my major. And to answer that second question, I think for me, I look back and I'm like, you know what? Some people say, maybe you should have majored in business now that you're a businesswoman and you're doing all these things. But I look back and I'm like, you know what? I feel like radio, TV, film was the perfect major for me. And I'm so glad I got that degree because it's on on a day-to-day basis, what I do is I'm shooting YouTube content. I'm editing videos all the time. I'm having to write blog posts in a way that's not super newsy, but it's, it's in a way that... You want people to feel like they can relate. I mean, these are all tools and things that I learned in college, to be honest, because it was around the time when media was kind of changing and the internet was starting to rise up. So I feel like my degree really has helped me, at least on the creative side of being able to form this business that I'm in as a social digital content creator. And it's cool because I don't have to pay an editor to edit my videos unless I literally am just like, okay, I want to do something really cinematic and something fun and crazy. Then I usually go out there and and find somebody. But for the day-to-day edits for tutorials and Instagram edits and, and now Instagram story edits, I mean, those are all things that I'm glad that I know how to do myself. Absolutely. And I think that it probably not only helped you 
get comfortable to also being in front of and behind the camera. But I remember, and you probably, they probably told you this as well. I remember being in, in the radio and TV track in college as well. And at the time it was kind of when the shift was happening and all of my professors were always telling me, and nowadays you have to know how to do everything. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're just, if you're going to go into like being a news anchor, all you have to do is kind of the journalism aspect. Like you're going to have to know how to use the camera, how to edit, Mm -hmm. how to pull the stories together, how to do the voiceovers, how to shoot the B-roll. And so, you know, you probably got to really dive into a lot of that and it probably does make you, I don't know, I don't know if ahead of the game is the right phrase, but it probably made you just comfortable to know that you could figure it out. Totally. And And it's a great prerequisite into this whole world, you know, being able to do the voiceovers and kind of be a one man band. Um, and it's not easy, but I think when you already learn it, like you said, in college, when you're forced to kind of do it all and wear all of these hats, you really take that and it, and it allows you to be able to do that in the real world, you know? Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's kind of talk about, cause I think another intricate part to, you know, a lot of bloggers success is, you know, the, the background of what you had, you had the knowledge from school, but then also kind of planting where you ended up and that's Los Angeles. So I want to talk about how being in LA, either if, if you think either inspired you to work harder, cause everyone works so hard around here or just really maybe helped you kind of get in this, in this mindset of blogging and influencing and, and in this track. Right. You know, when I graduated um, at the University of North Texas, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I knew that if I was serious about this whole TV route and being able to do broadcasting and, and telling people stories and all that stuff, I knew that for me, Texas wasn't the market, you know, especially because I wanted to do entertainment and more focused on like fashion and and celebrity news. And I knew that Texas was just, was not the market for that. So for I, that was kind of the decision why I said I need to either go to New York or LA. And at, and at the time I felt like New York was just way too intimidating. I was like, ah, no, I think LA is, is going to be a good place for me to start and feel it out. So I went out to LA with the, with the, with the thought in mind that, you know what, I might come back to Texas. Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel here. So I went there and I kind of created the six month plan with my parents because I told them I really want to be able to focus when I get out there and just focus on my career, chase as many connections as I could, and just really focus full time on trying to get a job in the industry. And so my parents were very supportive in the sense that they helped me out for the first six months and I didn't have to go get a job. And, you know, that in itself can really just consume your time and energy in LA. And so they helped me the first six months. I lived with my sister who was out in LA and that was really nice to have some family there. But I'll tell you just being there, like, well, I say there, but now I'm here in LA. But when, when I moved from Texas to LA, it's like being there in LA was just so different. I had never moved away from home. I mean, even in college, I was commuting to college, which was like 25 minutes from my house. So I had never left the nest. So that in itself was really intimidating. And then I had this tiny little blog at the time, which was something I started in college because, you know, you 
take those little um, computer tech classes and you have to make websites and things like that. So I had learned how to make a site and I thought, you know what, I'll just start a little blog. And I had never really updated it, but it was there. So (laughs) this blog I had with me in LA, but it wasn't something I was focused on, but it did allow me to connect and meet other influencers or bloggers, I should say. And so one of my friends, she was also, um, she also moved out from Texas to LA she was, um, she was kind of doing this whole blogging thing and, and she invited me to an event that she was hosting where I got to meet a handful of bloggers at the time that were doing this like for real, for real blog thing. It wasn't just a hobby. And I was so fascinated by that thought because, you know, I didn't even know that that was a thing because in Dallas, I didn't know any other bloggers. I didn't know that there was a community out there like that. So I went to this event and it just kind of opened my eyes to the whole blogging idea, but I still had this really tight grip on the idea that, you know what, I'm going to be a TV host. I want to be on E! News and I want to work on like Access Hollywood or one of these shows and do like red carpet stuff. I was so focused on that idea because that's why I went to LA. And I quickly realized that that industry obviously is super competitive. There's no way for me at the time I was going to get an on-camera position. And the little small, little on-camera jobs that I was doing, I noticed they were just very small pay and it was kind of a waste of time most times. And So I quickly realized, okay, I need a plan B or else I'm going to have to move back to Texas because this hosting thing just isn't working. I'm straight out. I'm fresh out of college. And I just knew that it wasn't a reality at that time. So I put it on the back burner and I decided to focus on this little blog that I had at the time. It was called Spaz Magazine. I mean, it was just so different than what obviously what you see today. But I, I spent a lot of late nights just researching this whole blogging world. Thankfully, there were little online communities and forums. And um, I know I, IFB was the Independent Fashion Bloggers Network was a site that I constantly read and I learned. And I kind of started to think, wait, I think I might be able to, to actually make this at least a part-time gig and make some money on the side. So I started meeting more with those bloggers and kind of picking their brains. And before you knew it, I decided to kind of relaunch, rebrand my blog and really start from the bottom again and make it kind of this personality driven site where I could, you know, just share things about what I was going through in my life and fashion and beauty tips and so forth. And you fast forward to now and it's just crazy to see how my whole dream just kind of changed. You know, I, the whole hosting thing, it's funny because since blogging, I've gotten opportunities. Like I've done things for E I worked with access Hollywood for a year and did a segment. And it's so funny. Cause I tell my husband, I, I told him, I said, I would never trade what I'm doing today to have that dream back because what we're, what I'm doing today, being my own boss, it's so much more fulfilling. And I feel like I'm really able to connect and reach out to people in a way that I feel like TV just wouldn't have let me do, you know? So, um, it's just, it's amazing how tables can turn and how things can happen, but definitely got to give props to LA for that because I feel like if I was in Dallas, I would probably still be working in banking, which is what I was doing. So um, it definitely motivated me for sure. Well, and I love that you shared that because what I really took away from from your journey and from that story is that you allowed yourself to be flexible with your dreams. 
while still keeping them your own. And within that flexibility, you were then able to innovate and kind of really create your own idea and your own version of what that hosting is. I mean, when you kind of think about it, like you still kind of host in your own way every time you get in front of the camera. Right, right. So, you know, it's like you're you're still that's still there, but but your ability to really have the foresight to know like, look, I know that I can be entrepreneurial and be innovative and really make this my own. And I think that that's one thing the people that I always either interview on this podcast or that I talk to or that I know just within this LA community, the ones that are always like top tier, you know, whether it's, it's you, of course, or someone like, um, Lauren Everts from the skinny confidential. Mm-hmm. So many people look at influencers and just think that it happened overnight, you know, like yeah. you just woke up like this, you know, or you just got lucky and you did it, you know, you did six months of fashion content and you grew to 600,000 followers, but it's really, there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes and you really have to give props to these amazing women like Cezanne who really have the foresight to think outside the box while still going towards kind of what they're wanting to do. And so mm-hmm. I give you props for that. And I love that you share that story because I think that it's a good re- reminder to the people listening today that, um, you know, you have to kind of bend so you don't break. And it's important to remember that when it comes to your goals and to your dreams, that sometimes you kind of have to be flexible with what you may think it's going to be because the end mm-hmm. result could, could, could end up being even better than what you imagined. Yeah, that is so good. And I appreciate that, Julie. You know, it's, I, I said moving to LA kind of helped get me motivated, but I also want everyone listening to know that you don't have to live in LA or New York to run your own business. I mean, that's kind of the age we're living in now, thanks to the internet, is you can do anything from where you are as long as you are able to really stay persistent and you're you're not willing to give up. Like for me, quitting wasn't an option. I had so many nights where I was hitting walls or I felt like I wasn't growing or just whatever the reason might've been. I had so many nights where I was like, what am I doing? Like, is this actually even going to be something? Is this going to even, you know, flourish into a business? Like, am I wasting my time? You get all these doubts, all these insecurities, these fears, and that's normal, especially when you are having to pave your own way. I mean, at the time I wish there was a guide or something that told me like, if you do, if you do point a, you'll get to point B. And then when you get to point B, you'll get to point C. But the thing with this world is, is you're creating your point a, then you have to create your point B and you have to create your point C. And it's just amazing that everybody has a different journey and a different route and it can be intimidating and it can be really scary, but it's also really exciting and it can be super fulfilling filling if it really does end up being everything that you've ever wanted it to be. So I think it's really important to to mention that because that's a question I get asked all the time when I do conferences or when I do meet and greets are, you know, a lot of women ask me, do I need to move out to LA or New York to be a successful blogger? I don't think you necessarily have to do that. You know, I just think you need to be willing to put yourself out there and take risks. And um, I've seen it all across the world, people running successful businesses. So, yeah, you don't have to be in L.A. or New York, which is kind of cool now. It is. It is cool. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because I have I have some questions that I want to ask you about that in just a little bit. Um, but I wanted to dive in to strategy a little bit with you, particularly with, with growth. Um 
with, you, you can't really have growth without challenges. You know, like I always say, you, you, you can't grow without, without, you know, falling at times. And I don't even like to use the word failure. Cause to me, I think failure is really just a redirection of like, okay, this didn't work. So now let's try this. So really nothing's a failure. It's all a learning experience. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale, This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. So I would love to know from you um, kind of two things. First, when it comes to the growth, if there was a catalyst that you remember or that you have seen within your own brand's growth, what is that? What did that look like? How were you able to to identify it? And then kind of the same question for challenges. Were there challenges? I'm sure there, there have been throughout your brand, whether it was a year ago, a week ago, or three years ago, and how were you able to identify those? And then how were you able to kind of redirect so you could grow? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I started out, I mean, obviously the space looked totally different than it does today. Instagram, for example, looked totally different than it did today. It was a whole different, instead of the algorithm now, it was everything was chronological. So it was, in, you could post in real time and everyone would see it at once. And now a lot of things have changed on various platforms, including the blogging platform itself. You know, I've had to be more creative with ways to get people to come to my site and to engage with my content. I think for me early on, the catalyst was when I started to see that I had a small audience that was coming back to my blog to see what I was up to. It wasn't a huge audience. You know, I didn't have a massive following, but I knew that I had a good chunk of people. And I just always, I always tried to tell myself, look, you might have just 200 followers and you're trying to push content and you're trying to get those 200 people to go to your site or to go to your channel, whatever. And I always pictured what does 200 people in a room look like? And to me, I envisioned that. And I was like, 200 people, that is quite a full room, you know, and I need to connect with each and every single one of those people and see, and that's kind of how I was organically growing that. So the catalyst for me was even when I had a small following, I would always try to connect with them on a personal level. So even though I was talking about fashion and beauty, they wanted to get to know the voice behind these blogs. They wanted to get to know the person behind this whole website. So when I started to connect with more and more people and they started commenting and telling their friends about my blog and I started to see small growth, I realized 
I want something more than just a blog. I feel like for me, I have this face-to-face ability to connect with people through conversations, through making them laugh, through just being present on camera. And I knew that I had the ability to do that because I knew how to film. I knew how to edit. So for me, the catalyst was when I launched my YouTube channel, probably a year after I kind of rebranded the blog. And once I launched my YouTube channel, that was a whole new space that I just was, didn't even, I didn't even know about. I mean, there was just a whole new audience on that space, you know, and, and I was able to build an even more loyal following with the small amount of followers I had, but they were richly engaged and they felt like I was their friend. And I just really took that sort of that whole method of just connecting with people and being relatable. And even to this day, that is kind of, that's kind of the backbone of my, both of my businesses now. Like that's kind of what I feel like makes me stand out from some of the other influencers is after a while, I just quit pretending to live a lavish lifestyle and pretty perfect photos and beautiful content that was highly curated. And for me, it was about, let me tell you about some of the struggles I'm going through, you know, whether it was family stuff, whether it was relationship stuff, and then obviously things going on in my beauty routine, talking about acne, talking about, you know, and just being more open and real. And that was really, really, really a catalyst for me. And, um, obviously challenges came from opening up to, you know, when you are more personal and you open up your world to people, people are going to have more opinions and they're going to feel more entitled to say certain things. But for me, I wasn't really worried about that because I knew that that's kind of how the internet is. And you have to be somewhat mentally prepared when you're walking into it, that, You're not going to have everybody loving you. Not everyone's going to leave you a sweet comment. But at the end of the day, it's all engagement. So I knew that I was at least starting a conversation. So that was really, really exciting. And I think another challenge I had was for so long, I was just a one-man band. And I was quickly realizing that when you have big dreams, it requires big work. And I knew that I needed like at least another me to help out. And that's around the time when Stevie, my husband now, who I was dating at the time, he came on to help me with the photography side because he also majored in radio TV film. And that's where we (laughs) met in college. And so that really was a huge challenge was like, how can I continue to create videos now and blog content, but have zero help? And I felt discouraged and I felt like maybe I need to choose between the two or or maybe you can't do more than one, but I learned you can totally do more than one, but you just have to find the right help. And so I was very fortunate that my Instagram hubby came a little early. (laughs) So that was nice. Well, you touched on so many great points just now and a lot of them that I want wanted to talk to you about the first one. Um, cause you know, you talked and obviously the landscape now is so different. You brought up the algorithm. So if you were a blogger or influencer who was starting out today, what is one thing that you would do? How would you do it? And where would you do it? Meaning the platform? If I was starting out today, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry so much about trying to have it all figured out. You know, I think when you're about to launch a business or this amazing idea that you know is going to consume a lot of your time, you want to like almost reassure yourself that like, okay, this is my business plan. This is what I'm going to be focusing on for the next six months. But the thing with this digital space is it is so constantly changing and the landscape of it and just everything. So I wish somebody told me then that 
you really have to obviously stay, stay consistent and be on top of it. But don't feel like you have to be on every single platform because everybody else is. I mean, I wasn't on Pinterest for the longest time. And then I realized, oh, I should probably be on Pinterest because I'm noticing it's driving a lot of traffic to my blog. And that's when I made the decision to actually get on Pinterest. I think for people listening, if you're somebody that wants to just kind of date the space a little bit and even see if that's something you want to do, I think you can just start out with an Instagram page and see what you can create and and see how you can build an audience on there. And then, then you can when time allows, and maybe you have more money to invest in a website, then you're able to share, Hey guys, I'm launching a site, or I just decided to now launch my YouTube channel. But I don't think you have to do it all at once. The biggest thing is just figuring out how to stay ahead of the curve. Because like you said, this industry is still so new and it's constantly, constantly changing. So whatever platform that is for you, do it and focus on that platform and just make it the best that you can. And starting out, that's kind of, that's kind of what I wish somebody would have told me, you know? <laughs> I agree because I think that especially back then, uh, dating ourselves so that, you know, three years ago, um, they did tell you <laughs> that you had to be everywhere. And I think that part of it can be an important, uh, lesson because as an influencer, as a blogger, you do kind of have to test out the different platforms to see which one you, you kind of connect with because you have to be able to connect with it because the only way you're going to be consistent on there is if you connect with them. So connect with it. So, and the only way you're going to be able to provide the valuable content to your audience is by being consistent and showing up. Um, I know, you know, I tried to do YouTube for example, and I, I just couldn't connect with it. Whereas I do a podcast and I totally connect with it. I know yeah. some people who, they don't want to do a Facebook live or an Instagram live, but man, they love, you know, the YouTube or vice versa. Mm. So I think that it is like maybe testing it out a little bit, but as you said, like also kind of giving yourself the grace to know, like, I don't have to be everywhere all the time. Um, you know, once I kind of figure out which, which, which platform I'm really connecting to and I can really connect to my audience with, I'll just focus on those two or those three or what have you. Um, yeah. And I love what you brought out, um, what you brought up about, you know, even you are now having to think of really unique and creative ways to show up. I would love if you could share some specifics as what that looks like to you. What has kind of changed or what do you do differently today that you maybe didn't have to do a year ago in order to continue to grow and continue to show up and be seen? Oh my gosh. I I feel like I have something to say for every platform on that question because I mean, even a year ago, we look back at blogger content just on how we would push traffic from social media to our blogs. And we would, it would be as simple as like, Hey guys, there's a new outfit post on my blog, check it out. But what I noticed on my personal blog was anytime I was posting the outfits on my Instagram or my Facebook and saying like, Hey, there's a new post on my blog that wouldn't engage them to go to the blog and to check it out because guess what? They already see the image. A lot of the times I would, you know, I'd tag the brands or people are going to ask in the comments and other people may answer for them. And so for me, I had to get creative with how I was just driving traffic to my blog. Um, I think the biggest, biggest thing for me that hasn't changed as all of these platforms and algorithms are constantly changing. I think the one thing that hasn't changed for me is just knowing what my brand is. And for me, since I figured it out when I had that kind of catalyst moment, my brand is my personality. So mm. with that, I feel like 
I can do so much on various platforms, whether it's a live video, whether it's fun Stevie and Cezanne content, whether it's travel vlogs, it's this, it's that. And I think a lot of the times when these platforms are changing and we look back and we're like a year ago, wait, I was doing more food and recipes and maybe now I should do fashion because that's what people probably want to see. Then you kind of, whoa, you get so distracted and then you start to notice, well, maybe my engagement now is not so good or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, whoa, now I really feel like I know my brand. It's style, it's beauty, whatever. And so, you know, I feel like Julie, for you too, like that's kind of something that you went through when you were in PR and then now you're doing this amazing podcast and really diving into the industry and it worked so well for you. But I think for me on it, like last year, you can ask my husband, I had a midlife crisis. I said, Stevie, maybe people don't want to see tutorials anymore. Should I start being more wifey and doing like home posts and doing recipes when I feel like I'll probably burn down the kitchen and, but I should probably do it. Right. And he was just like, look, we've got to really hone in on our brand and our brand is your personality and you can't lose sight of that. And so for me, I've just been more creative with how I drive traffic to my blog. So instead of saying, Hey, new outfit post on the blog, I'm going to make it more personal, put in some personality. I'm going to say, Hey, there's a new outfit post on my blog and guess what happened to me last weekend. Let me tell you all about it. And that's what my audience connects with is personal posts. And, and I've learned that little things like that can make a huge difference across all of the platforms. I think that that is a great growth hacking tip that you just shared <laughs> for sure. Um, I want to talk about planning a little bit because I know that you are a planner and I know that you're more of a traditional planner, um, which people are like, okay, what does that mean? So I know that you have told me previously that when it comes to planning, that you really figure out what, what's working well for your feed. And then you kind of plan that accordingly based on, you know, your, when engagement's going to be the highest, when people are going to be most tuned in, that sort of thing. So walk me through what that looks like for you. And do you have like a set day a week that you plan out content? Do you use any kind of tools to plan out your content, whether it's a planally or just like a good old desk planner? Um, how do you, how do you navigate that, that planning with your content? So I haven't always been super organized and strategic with my content, but what I've noticed is the more strategic you are in this saturated market today, the better. And it's just works so well for you so that you can still have a normal life and a normal schedule. So I actually love the Unum app. It's U-N-U-M. So U-N-U-M. And this app is amazing because it actually allows you to get it's almost like a, an Instagram, your Instagram feed, and you get to actually move grids around. So if you want to be more aesthetically picky, you can be. But what I love about this app is it allows me to schedule everything else around it. I mean, let's face it for me, Instagram really is my biggest platform. So I try to kind of picture it as like, okay, this app is almost like my Instagram. So how am I going to channel out and, and really push out my content throughout the week? So I use this app to really plan that out. So if a blog post is going up, I put that in the, in the planner. You can even put in your captions to get them ready ahead of time. I really love that app. If you don't want to use an app, you don't have to. But I notice a lot of the times we take so many photos on our camera that sometimes we look back on certain photos and we're like, that was a great photo. Why didn't I end up posting it? So all of the photos I love on my iPhone, I like to save them, whether I heart them and they go to my favorites folder or I create a new folder for it and call it like, 
you know, later gram pics, you know, and I like to also use these photos to create content for my blog around. So, you know, I obviously have professional photos like DSLR photos that Stevie and I go out and shoot. But what I notice is people like just, if the, if the photo's good, people are going to engage with it. For me, a lot of the times, a lot of the times the photos are iPhone pics and people love those. And I'm like, okay, so I've been just saving a lot of pictures that I can use. And in this season of my life being pregnant now, it's nice to be able to go back to these archived pictures and to bring them back to life in a new way. I recently did that with a picture that, um, I had short, I have short hair. And so I brought that picture back to life and said, Hey, a lot of you guys have always asked about my short hair today on the blog. I'm going to share some of my favorite products for short hair, but I actually used that imagery to just push it from social to my blog. And it did really well. So you don't have to create new content every single day. And I think it all, starts with just planning it out, whether it is through an app like Unum or Planoly, whatever that app looks like for you, but just being strategic. And I try not to get too far ahead, but I will, um, put in my calendar, like what I have, like, like I sit with my team, which is, you know, my assistant, Brittany, who's my sister-in-law and Stevie, it's usually the three of us. We sit, we have meetings every week, but when we sit in our meetings, we plan out our content for like the next two to three weeks. I think that's as far as I can go because my world is constantly changing and I might have something new I want to share, something personal. So I try not to plan too far out, but at least two weeks really makes a huge difference. And you just feel more clear headed. And I just, I recommend if you do have a YouTube channel and a blog, you've got to plan it out or else you're going to be posting a video one week. And then three weeks later, you're like, crap, I haven't posted a video in like three weeks, you know? So it's just important to plan it all out. I think that that's a good takeaway too, that you said, you know, you, you do it to an, ex- an extent, but at the same time, if you and Stevie are at lunch and he snaps a cute photo on your iPhone, you're not going to not post it because exactly. it's not in the strategy. You know, exactly. I love that. I love that. And two, I think that that makes you more personable. One of the reasons why I love to follow your feed in particular so much is that I really feel like I'm getting a 360 view of what it's like for the life of Cezanne and Stevie. Like I get to see not only, you know, the amazing content that you create, but also what your house looks like and how your bump's growing and you know, the food that you ate today and the way that you curate it just makes it, it makes it feel like the viewer or the reader is really along for the ride. And I think that there's some influencers out there who just can do that. It's just part of their personality and part of their ability to connect with people. And then there's some influencers who may not be able to do that so well, so they may have to do other things. You, I think, do that very, very well. And I think that that is what makes us all so attracted to your feed just from a visual standpoint and really kind of seeing that. Um, So with that said, with kind of the visuals, I want to talk a little bit too with planning with hashtags. Um, You had mentioned to me that you've kind of started to to think differently about hashtags and hashtaggings and their, and their kind of importance. So I would love to know your just take on hashtags in general, what you have discovered with how you used to use hashtags versus how you use them now and kind of what that process is like. 
You know, I used to be a hashtag junkie and I really thought, you know, this is everyone's hashtagging. I should hashtag every detail of this photo. But I think what I have learned over the past several months, like recently, is that hashtagging can actually hurt you. And I didn't know about this until I actually really dove into it and researched. But, you know, it's actually called shadow banning. It's an actual term. And basically just on, I know, I don't know Facebook, but I know Instagram, they will literally penalize your photo if you are using the same hashtags for every single picture. And I had no idea because I have certain hashtags I use all the time, like OOTD, that's outfit of the day, or hashtag makeup, hashtag makeup of the day. And I would I would be consistently using those favorite hashtags on my photos. And they actually will shadow ban, ban your photo, which means whenever somebody does click on that hashtag, they're not going to see your photo there. So it's just a waste of time that you put it there because you're almost being pinged for consistently using that same hashtag. They kind of mark it as spam. So in a way it's to protect accounts. But what that has made me feel is like, well, dang, do I not hashtag at all now? Like then how am I going to reach new audience? And I think the, the key is, is to continue hashtagging, but to be creative and to change those hashtags up every photo because you will get penalized as of recently. I think that since I've been doing that, I've noticed, okay, engagement is starting to increase again when I kind of changed up the hashtags, thinking more creatively. Instead of hashtag outfit of the day, maybe I'm putting hashtag fall outfit. Maybe I'm being more specific. And I think it is important to use hashtags just not to use a million under the photo at a time because that can also look a little spammy. And I just think being more strategic with the the hashtags, but I, I think it is important to continue doing them because I just, I have a feeling that just Instagram in itself will probably start to utilize those hashtags in a very search friendly way. Like people that want to see nail art, they'll be able to actually click and search. There'll be a, maybe a new interface or something. That's just my guess from all of this stuff Instagram has been doing lately. I have a feeling these hashtags, they're not gone for good, but I think we just need to be more strategic with, with them. And how do you search out hashtags that work for you? Is it a trial and error or is it just kind of spending some time on Instagram to research those? Um, how does that work? I think it's about what, what specific accounts and pages you want to target. So like a lot of the times when we look up a hashtag, you know, you'll see how many people use that actual hashtag. I mean, sometimes it's literally like 32 million people use this hashtag OOTD or whatever. And I don't think it's necessarily just about like, okay, because it's 32 million, I need to put it because sometimes it being so broad that can make you super small, you know, on the scale of trying to reach new people. So for me, it's like, if it's a certain photo where I'm rocking an outfit of the day and I want to reach more accounts and maybe those accounts that repost you, like a lot of the fashion inspiration pages, how can I target those pages, you know, or if I want to target a specific person or a specific place, I really think about it in that way too. And I, I haven't like really dived into it to where it's like, okay, how many followers did I get from using that hashtag? I wish they would tell us that, but I don't have, I don't, I just, for me, I notice like if I have a really killer outfit and I want 
I want some fashion pages to, to pick it up and to repost it, then obviously you want to put the word style or fashion in your hashtag and just be super strategic. Same thing with beauty and hairstyles and makeup and nails and whatever stands out in the photo and just being really specific. I think that helps. And obviously you want to reach a bigger audience. So I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say like hashtag something that only three people have used. I mean, that's kind of just a waste Mm -hmm. of a hashtag, but don't just think it has to be millions and millions and millions of people using this hashtag, you know? Right. That's a great, that's a great reminder and really just a a great tip for those who who may not have gone down that hashtag road yet. I mean, you gave a lot of great, a lot of great tips there that you shared. Um, And speaking of tips, um, I wanted to talk with you about networking because that is something else that I think you do very, very well. And I know that we touched on this earlier that you were talking about, you know, what if a blogger doesn't live in a city like LA, you know, that's going to be super event heavy, super brand heavy. Maybe they don't get a lot of invites just yet. How can a newbie influencer, a newbie blogger work towards better outreach, more effective outreach in order to start really getting on the radar of these brands a little bit more and really just kind of putting themselves in a position to be able to network more effectively? That's a great question. And it's a question that I get asked all the time, especially from girls who are just starting out, you know, they're hungry. They want to be on these brands radars. For me, that first event I went to was literally a friend inviting me. She was hosting it. It was a Ted Baker thing. And that was kind of my way in. But I think, like you said, if you don't live in L.A. or New York, I think networking nowadays can mean so many other things. I think social and digital networking is actually a thing. I think being able to connect with other girls that maybe have similar brands as you online via Instagram, whether that's commenting on their pictures, messaging them, creating almost building a, a, a digital relationship with people, like that's a thing now. And it's not creepy. I mean, look at all the dating apps and things we have nowadays. It's like five years ago, people would be like, why is this person messaging me? I don't know them like that. I think we need to completely kind of get rid of that whole mindset. And instead, I, to this day, if there's a girl I like and I see her stuff, I will message her or I will follow her or I will connect with her. And she may live in a whole nother, another state. I have so many blogger friends that I have yet to meet in real life, basically. And I think it's important to do that digitally. But also, if you do live in a city, wherever that is, you know, getting plugged in with the community and seeing, okay, are there not bloggers here? Or maybe there are. It might be a very small community of bloggers, but hey, maybe you can really dive in and start that community. And I think a great way to just get out there and to connect with brands is a lot of the times like Nordstrom, for example, they have their, their anniversary sale every year, or they have little events open to their, open to the public. And it may not be a blogger curated event, but it's still an event. And a lot of the times you can connect with the people who work at Nordstrom. There's usually somebody higher in the corporate office that's at these events. You can try to connect with PR if they're on site. And that's a really great way to just get on brands radars. If you aren't being invited to say fashion events or fashion week or whatever, it's just being involved, even with small boutiques, you know, these smaller boutiques, they love any kind of coverage they can get. So being able to walk into a boutique and talk to the owner of this boutique and say, Hey, I don't know if you're open to collaborating, um, or doing some fun things together, or maybe I can host an event for you. 
I think, I think that's important to do that is just being involved wherever you can and putting yourself out there. I think that's the biggest thing, um, is just getting out there and just doing what you can. Um, I love that tip about Nordstrom. I think that that's such a good one that maybe not a lot of people even think to think about. But, you know, you not really can. Yeah, you can start in your own community and you can even create those yourself. Mm-hmm. You start your own party. Feel me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk about marketing and products a little bit. Um, you know, every, I think, an influencer's dream is to build their brand to a place to where they can start servicing and marketing their own products. And you have been able to do this this past year with Blessbox. I would love for you to tell our listeners what Blessbox is, how did this come about, what inspired you to create this, and how you work on its growth as a product that you now offer to your amazing community. Thanks, Julie. You know, Blessbox really started with just an idea that I had. I wanted to connect with my readers and my 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 followers on a, on a whole nother level. I wanted to create products and I wanted to have something for them that they could tangibly experience and feel like it's from me. So that's when I looked into the subscription box world and I realized that that is an entirely new world, so so different and so cool that I had never really thought about before. But after researching, because I'm a huge researcher and just getting to know some of the other subscription boxes out there, I thought, whoa, this is like a whole new space and I love it. So that's when I came up with the the idea for Blessbox. Blessbox is a monthly subscription box. I love to include everything in this box from lifestyle to home to beauty skincare, something health related. And it's kind of like my life in a box. So it's really, it's a monthly box. So things that like I'm obsessing over that month. Um, and also there's a really cool story behind the box in the sense that we are there, whether it's something going on in my life that season or something going on that month, we've really been able to sort of curate it as this like blog in a box so that people feel like when it arrives on their doorstep, whether they know me or not, it's almost like they're getting their bestie in a box. And I'm going to share things that I love and how to use certain products. And they can trust me because I've been doing it for like four or five years now on my platform. And so it's been a really cool thing for me. And it's a set, it's a whole different business and a business that I did couldn't, can't say that I did alone, you know, because that's just not my area of expertise and understanding the logistics of a box and how do you get it shipped and how do you get the products and this and that. So I'm very fortunate that I have an amazing management team that came into my life at the perfect time when I was ready to transition and to do something like products and merchandising. And so we have the most amazing team at Bless where we are now able to give back. So we're kind of building out this blessed gives back feature. Um, and we just had our first one this past September. So last month, and it was really cool. So I love that I can put products in my box, but I know that moving forward for the future of blessed, I also want to create an experience and giving back to people and actually going out into the community, using my platform to tell their stories, to help these people. We, last month we helped kids, um, at, 
a foster at a foster home here in, in LA. And I wanted to physically go out there and hang out with these kids, kids who I've actually gotten to know throughout this past year that I've just been going and hanging out with. And I thought I want to do something bigger for them. And that's what we did with bless is we went there, we surprised them. We gave them not only a huge bag of goodies and school supplies, uh, but the, the community got to got to be involved, the blessed community. So subscribers were able to be involved and we were able to donate and match the donations for these kids' futures. And that's where I see blessed going. It's almost like this world of blessed. Like how can we really make a difference and be positive and obviously bless ourselves in the process with some amazing products that we get at a discount. So it's just been a really fun journey so far. And I'm excited that we have a lot of other things in the pipeline that are, you know, coming out next year, but it is really cool because I went from being a blogger and having my own blog to this kind of serious business woman of like, okay, now it's like real, it's really happening and it's so exciting. And I can't believe, I can't believe it. You know, it's just so surreal sometimes. I, I love that. And I love that you're able again to just have the, the drive and the, the, the desire to want to continue to grow it out in different kind of ways. And I, and I love that you also know your audience so well to know what they're going to be receptive to and what they really want to see and what they want, which I think makes the bless box just that much more amazing too. Yay. I need to send you one. I need to just give you one. We, we're, we have a, an amazing box lined up for this month and I I'm also changing some of the, the branding for bless. And that's another thing I've learned is sometimes when you launch and launch another company, you start out and you're like, okay, I'm so pumped. Let's do this. And then you go back to the drawing board and you're like, wait, was this my original vision? Like, and so I've noticed I've had to do that with bless. And so our box color has been red thus far and we launched around December last year. And so I realized, I don't know if I want red anymore. I felt like my original color choice was, wasn't actually red. We took a vote and everyone said red would be the color. And I said, okay, fine. But I think I needed to go back to my original vision. And I think we're going to be changing up some of the aesthetics of bless and the box size and, and, and kind of the story behind bless. And I'm just so excited that it's finally my vision, you know? Yay. And it's, it's creative. I love that. Um, okay. If someone wants to get their hands on the bless box, where can they go to do that? Yes. So all you have to do is go to blessbox.com forward slash subscribe, and that'll take them straight to our package page of options. So if they want to try it monthly, if they maybe just want to try it out for the first three months, we have all of these different package options you can choose from. So you don't feel completely tied down or committed if you don't like it. And the cool thing is, is you can cancel at any time. There's no crazy strings attached or anything like that. So I hope everyone can give it a try. We always have a promo code or something going on the site. So I recommend just going on there, checking it out and then yeah, just connecting with us on social through the bless box. So that's our handle and hashtag is ready, set, bless. Awesome. See, I have my own hashtag for bless. So. Yeah. See, and then, <laughs> and that way other, you know, the recipients of the box can use that too. Um, and for a promo code, I will make sure, um, for those listening that want to get the bless box to add that to, um, the blog post within this. So if you want to learn more about that, make sure to check that out. Um, before we pop off here, I want to talk about what's to come. And I know that, 
a big thing to come later this year, very soon, um, is a baby girl. So mom to be Cezanne, um, I would love just to know one thing that you're super excited about. And then one thing that you're super scared, confused, overwhelmed about when it comes to being a mom businesswoman in this world. Oh my gosh. I will, I'll say I'm so, I'm so excited that I get, like, I get to hold a child that I've created. <laughs> That's so crazy. Like she's a product of what Stevie and I are together. And I think I'm just really excited for the day I get to see her and actually see what, what it feels like to have your little human being in your arms, something that you created that God blessed you with, like literally this miracle of life. I think I'm just so excited for that. And I think obviously as motherhood goes on, that's going to change. But just in the season I'm in right now, just can't wait to lay my eyes on her. And then the thing I'm actually most nervous about, besides giving birth and that whole thing, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just... I'm kind of nervous about just what my life is going to look like in the next year. I I think I'm somebody who has gotten so used to being a little bit of a planner and being super strategic with my time. And I know that when you have a baby, especially because I want to nurse, I know that my priorities and my focus is really going to shift and it's going to change. And I think part of me is like, well, when am I going to actually feel inspired to go back to blogging? Because I really do want to take some time off when, you know, some people can just jump back into it. But for me, I've really taken this season to think about it and pray about it. And I feel like I need to just really rest and take this season off once I have my child. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a mom. I want to be present in those moments because they're so precious and they're going to go like that, as you know. And so I'm just nervous about like, what, what is life going to look like now from your advice? You're saying to me that you're going to be more motivated and focused and strategic than ever come, come a year from now. And I think mommyhood kind of does that. Um, from what I've heard is like, you're just better at managing your time. Once you have a baby running around, Yeah, no time to waste, no time to waste. And you will figure it out. And what I think I'm most excited about for your new chapter is um, just the opportunities that being, you know, a female entrepreneur who is a mom in this space really offers. Um, you know, there's so much opportunity now, but when you're a mom, it's like there, it's just a whole other deal. And just the, the community that you're going to meet of other amazing mothers is just one that is really undes- indescribable. And Los Angeles yeah. has such an amazing mom community. So I'm excited to see how, you know, the business of Cezanne grows from, from this. I think that we're all going to see just a whole other new chapter that you may not even, you may not have even been able to, to think yet. So it's, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, well, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you a question that I ask every guest that comes on the show. And that question is what does influence mean to you? Oh man, is this like a one-worded answer no, or <laughs> it can be whatever whatever you want it to be. You know, to me it's great. That's such a great question. I think for me influencing really is just it's it's just about 
it's about the people. It's about the, the, it's about your audience, you know, and it's about, it's about being completely open and transparent and trying to make a difference in one person's life. If you can, I mean, some of us have millions of followers, but to know that you're making a difference in at least one listener or one viewer's life, whether that's making them laugh on a day where they felt super sad and super depressed, or maybe that's giving them, maybe they read advice on your blog about how you got through a breakup. I think those personal vulnerable moments that you share with your audience are what makes you such a powerful influencer because you can really make an impact on their lives. And I've seen it firsthand from when I got married to Stevie, you know, he's American and I'm Middle Eastern and it wasn't always, wasn't always accepted in, in my world. And so when I opened up, opened up about that, I noticed a huge community of girls around the world, emailing and messaging and sharing that their families were also going through similar things. And that was just so therapeutic for me. And it it made me feel like I was truly influencing them and helping. So I think that to me in a nutshell, all of that combined is what an influencer is. I mean, obviously makeup tutorials, if you can make somebody feel and look spicy and sexy on a day where they're just feeling like bloated and blah, that's awesome too. But to be able to connect on an even deeper personal level, I think that's what makes me feel excited to wake up every day and do this. Oh, I love that. Um, well, if you are listening today and you want to dive deeper into this conversation, as well as get more information on Cezanne, her amazing channels that she has, as well as the Blessed Box and where you can find it, I would love for you to check out the show notes of this episode where I lay out some of the most important takeaways from this conversation with Cezanne. And you can find those show notes at theinfluencerpodcast.com. And if you want to up-level your influence even more, come on over to juliesolomon.net forward slash newsletter, where you'll get instant access to strategic tools and refreshing ideas that will help you connect and grow your brand. And you'll get exclusive content, special giveaways, and personal updates from me that I only share through the newsletter. So again, Cezanne, thank you so much. I so appreciate you coming on today before you have the baby and before your life just explodes into so much goodness. And thank you for all of your wisdom and everything that you do for this community. Um, You are just such a light and we are so grateful to have you. Thank you so much, Julie. Girl power, right? Yes. I'll see you soon at my baby shower. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Thank Thank you guys for having me. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.